Welcome to Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ. My name is Brian. I am your author and teacher today, and we are studying through the book of Ephesians. Welcome, welcome. I'm so, so glad that you are taking time out of your day, your precious, precious time to get into God's Word with us, to be built up in your inner person and your inner man so that you can grow in faith and that you can be rooted and established in love. So I'm going to pray for you right now because we are going into the last day of week eight, and we are starting into chapter five of Ephesians. Um, Week eight, day three in my book, Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ, and this is called Dismantling the Cain Response. So let me pray for you before we get started. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all the precious people listening, Lord, taking time out of their day to study your word and, Lord, to grow, to grow in their faith. It says in your word that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I pray that, Lord, as your word is spoken, that their hearts would become alive to you and their spirits would be strengthened, Lord, out of your glorious riches and your storehouse, Lord, that they will be strengthened and rooted and established in love. I pray, Lord God, that today as we talk about dismantling the Cain response, Lord, that you will bring conviction and repentance in any areas of our lives that we need to repent in. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, dismantling the Cain response, what does this mean? Well, let's find out. We are going to be talking today about Cain and Abel. And you may say, Brianna, what does this have to do with Ephesians chapter 5? Well, we're going to find out. I got into Cain and Abel when I did a word study. (laughs) So when we study our Bibles and we're opening our Bibles up, it's so important to be asking those questions, to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit for revelation and wisdom and guidance. He's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. You can believe it. You can take that to the bank. He will. And then to have those tools, I'm just going to mention some of those tools right now. Biblehub.com. The Bible Hub app is a fantastic app to add for your to your phone. I want to liken it to walking into a great big library with so many Christian like encyclopedias and stuff on church history, um, Greek and Hebrew reference guides and commentaries, and it's just packed. You might get lost in there, <laughs> but you also could really find um, some wonderful things. I also am absolutely loving my Discovery Bible software Um Joan and her husband, Gary. Well, her husband, Gary Hill, developed this over 40 years. He's a Bible translator. And this software is so user-friendly, totally worth purchasing at uh, discoverybible.com and putting on your your laptop. And I, a little birdie told me that there is an app coming. And if you get that software on your computer, it works when you're not online. It works. You just download the software, but then that app will be really handy for when you're running around and you want it um, on the go. It is extremely user-friendly, and I have the beta app, so I am testing it for them. So I'm really, really excited to say that you can look forward to that, and if you don't have that software, go ahead and download it. Now let's get right into our Bible study. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 21, I'm going to read this. 
Follow God's example, therefore. Oh, ding, ding, ding. If we see the word therefore, we have to ask, what's it there for? So yesterday we were talking all about putting off the old self and putting on the new self in Christ Jesus. Um, So he's saying, follow God's example, therefore, since we're putting off the old self and putting on the new self, since we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom we've been sealed for the day of redemption. Then it says what? As dearly loved children. This isn't like um, somebody's pointing their finger at you and saying, you kids, get it together. It's dearly loved. And I had a fantastic conversation with my children yesterday. My daughter called in from college. She's she's a junior in college and my son is a junior in high school. And my little Isaac is here in the studio with me today. And he's in fifth grade. And my um, high school son said he was being asked by friends at school, like, why do you like, why do you follow rules? Like, why do you, you know, why do you want to be pure? You know, dude, come on. Like, there's a life to live out there. What are you doing? Um, you know, why would you want to just follow a bunch of rules? And he, I'm so proud of him because his his response to this is, you know, God doesn't give us rules just to be mean. He gives us rules for to protect us from consequences <laughs> that are serious. And God loves me. So so my son has this understanding that he is a dearly loved child of God. And a dearly loved person knows that the person who loves you has your best in mind. So when God gives you um, a parameter or a boundary, it's not just because he's like, I'm just going to be mean and I don't want you to have any fun in life. He he wants you to have fullness of of life, eternal life. He wants your your experiences in life to be broad and deep and full of peace and joy, even in times of suffering, to be able to walk through suffering. I am currently reading Anne Graham Lotz's book, um, Jesus and Me, and it I have an advanced copy, so you can't get it yet, but you can order it online, um, pre-order it. And I love every single chapter. They're so short and easy to read. Every single chapter is about moments of suffering in her life where the Holy Spirit walked with her through that suffering and provided her relief, provided her comfort, provided her wisdom. Oh my word, It every single chapter I'm crying because I'm identifying with that work of God when He loves His children. The Spirit-filled life in Christ is abundant, even in suffering, and we have hope. And so it's incredible. Jesus, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. So it says, as dearly loved children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. 
For you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So when Christ illuminates us, through the Holy Spirit, through our redemption, because He died on the cross and rose again for our, uh, He died for our sins and rose again on the third day, and we were raised up with Him, and the Spirit of God has illuminated us, we become a light. Are we living as light, as dearly loved children? Now, I was curious, and I hit a roadblock here when I was studying. I was really like, studying Scripture, um, can sometimes it can be arduous <laughs> because you're reading and sometimes it's not like it doesn't feel illuminated. You don't feel awake. You feel tired. But I I prayed about it. If you hit a wall like that, you know, well, you should be praying anyway. And it's normal to hit walls. And I just said, Lord, I need you to show me where we're going to go with this next. What do you want me to see in the scripture? How do you want me to approach this? And it's beautiful. Um, so he led me to look at this. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I challenge you in this day to look up fragrant offerings in the scripture. So I started looking them up. Like, what does the scripture say about fragrant offerings? It has a lot to say. And if you do this in the study, you could probably study that for weeks and weeks and weeks and get stuck right here on this page 173. But the place my eyes landed was on Genesis 4, 3 through 5, the first offering to God. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So he was so angry that it was visible in his face. So let's talk about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve, and um, they apparently had different uh, occupations. Cain kept the flocks and, or no, Abel kept the flocks and Cain um, had fruits, uh, fruit and he had um, like grain offerings. And when they brought this to the Lord, Abel's offering pleased the Lord. Why? We have to talk about this. Why, why, why? Well, Cain or Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice. And we know from the very beginning just a chapter or two earlier during the fall, that God told Adam and Eve, the day you sin, you will surely die. And death is a consequence of sin. And when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He made the first sacrifice and he killed an animal and covered them. So he made clothing for them out of animal skin. Now, this is a 
picture. Adam and Eve, what did they try to do? They had never worn clothes before. They didn't even know they needed clothes. And just their eyes being opened by their sin, they had shame they never had before. They weren't ashamed that they didn't have clothes on. They were they were in the presence of God. There was no sin. There was nothing like weird. They just they they were completely innocent. And they when they had that first like bit of shame grab them, they hid. And they hid from God and they began to try to sew fig leaves together to make clothes. Now you can imagine that did not go well cuz those fig leaves just died. They didn't even know how to cover their own nakedness. We do not know how to cover our own nakedness. We do this all the time. People try to cover their own sin up. They want to hide their shame in their own way. And what God knew what was necessary to cover the shame, and that was a blood sacrifice, and to cover their nakedness was animal skin. And he made them their first, the first clothing. God was the first fashion designer. So there you go. He, <laughs> he designed the first outfits for the first people. And so right there, we have the blood sacrifice for their sin to cover their sin. And from right there in the beginning, Adam and Eve and their children knew you needed a blood sacrifice. And so also, here's another thing. God knows our hearts. So we can do something and we can do something for the Lord and bring it to Him. But what is He most concerned with? Our heart. So you can make it look like I'm doing this big thing for God, but if your heart's not in the right place, God knows it. And so God was pleased with Abel. He was pleased with the state of Abel's heart. He was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, that Abel gave his best. And Cain, he was not pleased with. Now, did Cain, God being displeased with Cain have anything to do with Abel? No. Cain was just envious of the approval God gave to Abel. And instead of being concerned with his own sin or his own shortcoming and going to God and and saying like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring you an acceptable sacrifice. He got mad at his brother. He got so angry with his brother and God saw what was happening. So God intervened. He says to them, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? All right. Does God know why? Yes, God knows why, but he's interacting with Cain in a relationship. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must rule over it. So here, God the Father tells Cain, and we have it recorded in Genesis, that sin, we have sin personified, that sin is an active force desiring us, wanting to to trip us up. And he's saying, why are you getting upset about this? It's because you did not do what is right. If you do what is right, everything is going to be fine. So the problem with the Cain response is that Cain wanted to be justified how he was. He wanted God to accept him like, well, I just want to bring you a grain offering. I don't want to bring you uh I don't want to bring you a blood sacrifice. We don't know why. Did that mean he had to go to Abel and say, "Abel, um can I trade with you? Did he have a grudge against his brother already? Did he feel like his parents loved his brother more?" 
What was it that he wouldn't just go to Abel and ask for a lamb? Why couldn't he pay him for it? There's something in Cain that refuses to go get a lamb from Abel and do what's right. Or even if Cain owns livestock, to use his own lamb. And maybe he thinks, well, I'm a farmer. What I do is good. I want to give what I want to give, and I don't want to be told what I have to do. He wanted to set his own standard of righteousness. And God's saying, I've set the standard of righteousness, Cain. Why are you angry about it? He's telling him, sin is crouching at your door. Master it. The sin is in Cain's heart, and it's crouching there, waiting to master Cain. And Cain, God tells him, can master it. But he doesn't. And what does he do? He goes and he kills his brother. Instead of being right with God, he would rather attack his brother. It's the first recorded, it's the first murder in the history of the world. Cain against Abel. He kills his brother over pride and envy and being stubborn because he had a sinful heart. And when we're going to get in in our next podcast about um, our Not a Hint series on uh, sexuality and on sin, um, let's check our hearts and say, God, do I have Cain's heart? Am I saying like, uh, well, this is what I think. I think it seems to me that I should be able to live how I want, and then God loves me and accepts me where I am no matter what. And this is confusing because God does love you and accept you in your sin so much that he sent his son to die for your sin, to cleanse you of your sin. But he did not come to die for your sin so that you could continue in stubbornness and pride and um, unforgiveness and greed and immorality and an insatiable lust for more. Jesus didn't come to pay the tab so you could keep, like he didn't come to open a line of credit so you can keep sinning and there's no problem. He came to redeem you, to make you a part of God's family, to transform you from the inside out and to shower his love on you and to fill you up from the inside out. But we want to be very careful that we don't have a Cain response, that we don't have this response that like, I want to do it on my terms. It just seems to me, the, the, the thoughts, when people say this, it seems to me that, or I think I shouldn't have to do that. Like, I shouldn't have to. I say that all the time. I shouldn't have to do the dishes again. I just did them. I shouldn't have to do this or that. So we say these things, and that's really a Cain response. Um, and the dishes, that's just a normal everyday response to, like, being flabbergasted that the kitchen is dirty again. And and it's not that's not a sin to be like, oh, I shouldn't have to do this again. But it, our hearts will do that to God. I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to. Really what we're saying is, I don't want to. If we say I shouldn't have to, we're really saying I don't want to. Like, Because I literally don't want to do the dishes five times a day. That, it's just the truth. Um, but if 
we say, I shouldn't have to pray. I shouldn't have to read my Bible. I shouldn't have to um, be pure. I shouldn't have to um, say I'm sorry. It's really saying, I don't want to. And our faces get downcast. So we, we need to, to give to the Lord the, the, our hearts and bring our hearts as a sacrifice that is a fragrant offering to him. To say, Lord, and this is what a fragrant offering would be. Lord, I've got a cane heart. I don't want to give you what you want. One side of me doesn't want to. One side of me does. Forgive me for having a stubborn heart. So is God going to be upset about that? No, God's going to love that. He loves your honesty. He loves you coming before him, just hands open saying, Lord God, I love my sin, but I know it displeases you. So I want you to help me to hate it. I want you to change my heart from the inside out. And that is the heart that God desires from us, a heart that's humble and submissive and honest. He doesn't want you to pretend. He doesn't want you to be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that when you do. He wants you to be honest. God loves an honest heart. So let's pray today that God will help you if you're struggling with any issues that, um, that may be that you're struggling with, that you're having trouble wanting to give it to God or not. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for anyone out there who has a Cain response in their hearts to you. Lord, you loved Cain. You loved Abel. But help us, Lord, in the places of our heart where we want to say, I don't like what God requires of me. Help us to be humble and submissive and to give to you um, every part of our lives, not just the parts we want to give. Help us to be honest and truthful. Give us power and strength through your Holy Spirit to do and be everything we need in Christ. Lord, we know that we're not doing this in our own power and strength, but we know that as we submit to you, Lord God, that you will do a great work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. So I thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for joining us today. I encourage you to go um, to like us on YouTube. Uh, we're on Facebook as Revealed Ministries, Brianna and I, and Revealed Ministries on Instagram. And I just started a little Twitter account. I don't really have a big following on Twitter because I had just got on there. But I encourage you to go follow me on those platforms if you want to. And um, share this share this with a friend also. If this has blessed you, if you're blessed by this Bible study, ask the Lord if there's anybody in anyone in your life who would be interested in um, knowing Christ in a deeper way. And also, last but not least, we have a 2020 cruise to the Caribbean. Yes, we are going the end of June 28th through July 5th. So you can look up more information on that on my website, briannanye.com. 